This is probably going to be a short one, just as an FYI. I don't have much to say. It's the Klingons. Hey, that's cool. Um, they're still dicks. Hey, that's not as cool. Or as interesting. So, first we see Hoshi's doing the target thing with Reed. Okay, that's kind of cool. We also find out that Reed has a cold. That's slightly less cool, but, you know, whatever. Uh, they send down a probe to this gas giant. They get the audio bits. They find a Raptor. Raptor is actually a ship I used quite a lot in STO. I believe this is the first time I was introduced to the series. This is also technically the first time we see Gach, at least chronologically. So then they decide to send uh, an away team over to check out the Raptor to see what's going on with the Klingons. Okay, sure. Uh, that already sounds like a not great idea. But nevertheless, I, you know, they decided to do so. Okay, sure. Now, you're probably thinking, Lord, you're being unfair, and you're right. <clears throat> the problem here is that what this actually is, is they don't know what a raptor is. Despite the fact that that looks a whole lot like a Klingon vessel, they don't identify it as one, even though there probably should have been like 50 or 60 ways to do that, especially given the fact that they sent the probe down to fix the scanning issue. But whatever, they don't know it's Klingon. Sure, I'm with it. So they go to land, and then it's Klingon. So they decide to leave. Um, so two scenes come to mind immediately here. First of all, why is Reed going? They, I, I get it. You know, you always send the main staff because stupidity, and that's the reason. Let's be honest with ourselves. In character, the out of character reason is because you hire your main characters in a TV show. And they happen to be the command staff, so the command staff always goes on the missions because they're the main characters of the show. They're the ones you pay to do the lines and do the things. So it's one of those weird little paradoxes of fiction. I imagine I'll be talking about this over in TOS as well when this was actually invented. But why Reed, who is currently sick and struggling? Hoshi, for once, makes perfect sense, and for the reasons stated, although... This is an interesting thing to comment on, and I'm going to talk about this for a bit, because I have precious little to talk about in this episode. So Hoshi, she's like, I want to go. I've, I'm fighting for this. I really want to go. And I'm like, well, but just yesterday you were talking about how much you didn't want to go. And then I remember that that was just yesterday from my perspective, because that my, my rice is done. Because from my perspective, just yesterday I watched uh, whatever the name of the episode was. I already can't remember it. I don't know Enterprise as well as I do other things. Hang on, hang on. Just yesterday I watched Fight or Flight. That was it. In which she was like, no, I don't want to be on this ship. I don't want to do it. No, 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 no. And now she's wanting to do it. Which I suppose makes sense, because that was actually five months ago in Universe. And even if it wasn't five months, this is about seven-ish weeks in real lifetime. You're probably thinking, okay, what's your topic point, Laura? It's interesting how different it is to analyze a show week by week than it is hour by hour. Obviously, since I only have so much time in my life and I have to be incredibly efficient about how I utilize it, I'm actually legitimately proud of how good I am at my time management at this point in my life. <sighs> Sorry, bad memory. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I mentioned this because... I go through these things like cheese grater. I mean, I just mentioned that. I just watched the second episode of the series yesterday, and I'm working on this episode today. 
So you can kind of see the chipper shredder approach I use for going through episodes, right? Now, I do try to maintain my level of quality. I'd like to think I do. I've yet to have people complain that I'm getting worse at this, even after I revealed the fact that I'm doing it so much faster. But the thing I'm bringing up, though, is unrelated to any of that. And it's just, this is binging, isn't it? I mean, I stopped to do some work in the middle of binging, but this is basically binging, sitting down and watching a season, which, by basically all available data, is how people prefer to watch television. Like, that's a factually proven thing at this point, at least in terms of majority. More people want to just sit down and watch a season than they do want to watch an episode every week. And now that we're in the era that we're at with television, that's more available than it's ever been before. To the point where you can just hold off and then release an entire season in one chunk. I just mentioned that because it makes some of these things kind of take on a different light and an angle when major character arcs happen off-screen over the course of a couple of days. See, I, and I think that's the final point I have to mention. Hoshi hasn't really had a lot of characterization since Fight or Flight. And yet, the idea is that she's been getting better about this. It's just entirely off-camera. And you can't tell me you couldn't have devoted a scene or two or five over the last ten episodes, just one scene, where she would be in a suit. And she's in there, and she starts panicking, panicking, she takes off the helmet. And then it segues into whatever else is going on. As she trains herself up, as she tries to deal with as she forces herself to do it. Maybe there's a scene where she contacts someone from home, and that's one of the reasons she's pushing herself so hard, either because it's a friend or a loved one who is encouraging her, or maybe it's a rival who is doing so much better than her and is totally angling to get on the next NX-01, or NX, the next NX-01, the next NX, NX-02, uh, the Columbus, I think? And so you're just, you're just screwed. You know, you're not going to get this. Come on. You should just go back to school. Go back to teaching. You know, something that helps flesh her out so that this doesn't feel like a sudden jump. Because even though it's been five months in universe, and even though it's been 12 episodes in, in out of universe, it's still a one-to-one -one jump. It's point here and then point here. So while I'm willing to give the show some praise for dipping its toe into continuity, unfortunately I think on things like this it is still just dipping its toe into continuity. We need to see more little character moments to help push them forwards in order to make this stuff kind of work, my opinion. I hope you liked that discussion, because that's most of what I have to talk about in this episode. No, I'm not joking. You'd think I'd have more to talk about a Klingon episode. I... This might be the geekiest thing I've said lately. I consider myself something of an expert on Klingon culture. <laughs> Hang on, let me, let me get full... I consider myself something of an expert on the Klingon culture. Because, no, I, I do. I've studied the hell out of it. I find it fascinating. I have looked at how they operate and why they operate and when they operate. And when they're being done, at least semi-consistently, they certainly adhere to that ideology. And it's fascinating. And then the whole concept of fake honor is fascinating. The whole concept of how Klingons function around others and, and how the Empire expands. It's all fascinating stuff. I love it. I eat it up. That's not what we have here. And that's the problem. This is not the Klingon culture. Now you could be like, what do you mean? Well, the point is, this is at best a character caricaturization of Klingon culture. I've heard one person describe the Klingons in Enterprise specifically as space Vikings. Now I know with total certainty they will eventually develop the Klingons in Enterprise substantially more. And these complaints will go away. But for right now, every time they've been on screen, they've been the roving Mongols.
even in this episode. The impetus for the episode is the fact that they raided a nearby territory because they freaking could. Without shame, I feel like adding. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, let me get back to the episode. Let's just run through here. Let's kind of recap this. Where are we at? So, let's see. T'Pol argues they should leave. They've got about 20 minutes until they're screwed. They decide to try and help them because I'm not sure why. Um, uh, the Klingon woman thinks they were attacked by Enterprise because she's stupid. Archer decides he'll go down to rescue them. Thankfully, he is not capable of doing that, but he does that later because it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I already made fun of this. You know, they sent the main cast, and obviously Archer has to go. Whatever. Moving on, moving on. Um, then they decide to, you know, go take the sinking ship and try to pull it up. They find that there's photon torpedoes on board. Oh, yeah, by the way, apparently the Raptor's a brand new type of ship. Considering that in most of the presentations I've seen, most of which is not actually canon, a raptor is literally the in-between of a cruiser and a bird, that's to say a raider. So it would make sense that it's much more heavily armed than a bird, and not quite as doomy as a full battle cruiser. So, okay, I'm kind of with it. Because, uh, let's be honest, a Katinga could absolutely obliterate a constitution... And that's a ship well from now. And we know they have Katingas now because of the... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Moving on, moving on. So, uh, they've got photon torpedoes. They can't beam through. Okay, that makes sense. They want to use the probe to help. Okay, that makes sense. And then and then we see Captain Von Armstrong. <laughs> he's, uh, he's actually played a Klingon before. Uh, and uh, Heart of Glory is probably my favorite Klingon of his. He... Uh, he comes across as just kind of a moron, because of course he does, because he's a Klingon of this particular era. He he does a good job with it, though. I like Von Armstrong. I always like seeing him. We find out that they raided the Xerentine, and they got this alcohol, and the alcohol was poisoned. This is the second thing I have to discuss about this episode. Of two, by the way, so I hope you enjoy this. Because... This is kind of an interesting and horrifying idea the episode does nothing with. I actually feel like this plot was slid under the rug sufficiently that the people who were policing Enterprise didn't even notice it. You know, the, the executive team. So here's the thing. Um, let's look at the facts. Okay, so there's a Klingon ship. Uh, it fought some nearby Xerentine. The Xerentine were no match for them, is what she specifically says, although that could be pride. They raided them, took their stuff, drank their alcohol, got sick. It was specifically a toxin they continuously refer to it as. These are facts. So the Klingons mongol it up, go over and start killing Xerentines in order to raid and steal their stuff. And the Xerentines, realizing they are not a physical match for them, or their ship is not a match for them, quickly and intelligently poison their own alcohol supply in order to try and get back at the raiders who are trying to murder them. They succeed in doing so, and the Klingons are dying as a direct consequence of this. These are the people that our heroes are going so far out of their way over and over and over in order to try and help. Now, I am especially negative towards marauding mentality, because I think it is a leech and a drain on society as a concept, and is the kind of thing that not only doesn't produce anything, but actively makes things worse. This is ignoring the whole, you know, horrific things that can happen when you're part of a marauding society. So... 
screw them and let them die is basically my take on this. And you can go ahead and call me horrible for that if you'd like to. But again, I don't think the actual creators really realized what kind of story they were telling here. Instead, this is more about a story about reaching out to the Klingons who are antagonistic, but, you know, we're still, you know, we're still trying to build those bonds of friendship because eventually we'll be friends with the Klingons, right? Yeah, in like two centuries. Let's ignore the fact that... <sighs> okay, hang on a second. One of the problems here that I've had with Enterprise consistently is that it feels like it's taking place in the what I call modern Trek era, which is late TNG, DS9, and Voyager. That's late Trek, okay? I know that's not true anymore, but whatever. <laughs> we'll come up with a new term for Discovery and Picard, okay? And Lower Decks. So, late modern Trek is the, the, the big trio. And the way they act, and the way they have attitude, and the way the people are written, and the way the cultures are written, and the way the tech is written, all of it feels like it's part of that era. Now you're probably thinking, well, hang on, these Klingons are raiding, marauding bastards. Eh, yes, but we're trying very hard to reach out to them and be friendly with them, even on their own terms, figuring out how to properly diplo diplomatize to Klingons. In fact, credit where it is due, Archer's final push against the Klingon captain, uh, Captain Armstrong, is accurate. You try to come after me, you, sh you shoot one shot in my direction, and I will blow you right back where I found you. And that is exactly how you should act to a Klingon in a conflict scenario. The only thing the episode screws up is Captain Armstrong's response is to get all frustrated and cut off communication. What should have been, instead, is kind of a... Maybe a look down, maybe just one kind of half nod. Because the point of Klingon culture is that they respect how you react to them. That's why they constantly provoke people. They don't actually want to gut you and feed you to a targ. They're just saying that to see how you react to it. You know, I've talked about this a lot. So, him posturing, and then Archer shooting him down, should have been met with, okay then, cool, we're cool. Instead he's all, Rrr. which leads me to the idea that the humans should be allying with the Klingons. And that's the, the tonality that I'm getting out of this. Maybe that's just me, I don't know. Feel free to disagree. But I bring this up because... That is the tonality of TNG. It was a big deal to have a Klingon on board the Enterprise-D. Hell, they made it a plot point in over two dozen episodes. I shouldn't say that. I don't know how many. Several episodes. It became a thing that there was a Klingon on board, the flagship of the Federation. And Klingon and human relations were a major plot point of TNG and Deep Space Nine. The fact that Bellana was half Klingon, emphasis on the half, was also a plot point over there several times. And you see the, the, the thread I'm pulling up and the tone aspect I'm pulling into here. Because Archer successfully makes reaches out and diplomatizes with her and the captain, even though historically the next thing we're going to really see with the Klingons, not counting Enterprise, is Errand of Mercy. Now... I could still see this working, because Aaron Mercy, remember, uh, they had the Klingons' respect. They were just bitter enemies. I don't buy it, though, and for the reasons I already mentioned. Basically, my suspension of disbelief is sufficiently broken, and I'm not willing to give the episode this. Sorry. We'll see going forwards. This is only our third Klingon episode. Out of 14. God, that's almost a one in four episodes about Klingons. 
I get the very strong impression they wanted them to be kind of antagonistic and to show how great the humans were, to show it wasn't our fault, the Klingon War wasn't our fault. We were perfect in every way. Because that's the kind of thing Roddenberry probably would have pushed for. I don't actually know if that's totally true, because I haven't covered Errand of Mercy yet from my perspective, so we'll see when we get around to that. Anyways, so... Uh, Hoshi starts to lose it a bit. Of course she does. It's a, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a Klingon galley. Holy crap. No, thank you. Uh, I'm reminded of the episode where Riker has to, he starts eating tons and tons of Klingon food to prep himself for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, of course, Paul helps, which is actually kind of nice. Because all she does is a basic meditation exercise, although it's implied there's some light telepathic connection there as well, since Vulcans are psychics. So I'm kind of with that. And that's probably one of the better character moments of the entire episode, is that one scene where T'Pol, where Hoshi just says, you know, I'm, I'm envious of you, or jealous. I can never remember which one is which. And I wish I could just have the control of my emotions that you do. It's not all it's cracked up to be. But anyways, so, you know, she responds and is like, here, let me help you, and then we'll work through this. Then, Archer brushes up, changes tactics slightly, uh, calls her weak, provokes her about dishonor. They go down. Uh, they use explosions as beacons. They find them. The ship gets back up somehow. Archer insists on staying to help. Again, this is the third time now he's insisted on helping the Klingons for some freaking reason. Captain Vaughn's a dick. And then we see the decon scene, which goes on way too long. I get the really strong impression this episode was running short in terms of time. This is actually a thing that happens fairly, fairly regularly. And so they used what is effectively an unedited version of the decon scene to pad out the runtime. Because there's a lot of beats that are missed completely. Like, I get it. I get what they're going for. They're just relaxing in the clean room and being all nice and clean and nice-smelling after being on the Klingon ship. I get it. I get what they're going for. I, uh, one time I had to go without any kind of showers for months, about five months, because of living in a ditch on a street. And uh, for my birthday that year, I actually rented a hotel room for one night, and one of the first things I did was I just stayed in the shower for like an hour. And it was, oh, it was so good. Um, so I get it. I get the idea, but the scene as a work of fiction just has long pauses and stuttering pacing. It doesn't quite work for me. And that just explains the episode as a whole, doesn't it? Nowhere near lamentation status. This just feels a bit like a dud. Now, I believe uh, the next episode... What is the next episode? Hang on. I, I, I want to comment on this now because I think the next episode is... Finally... Nope. Uh, yes, no, it is. It is. We're finally, finally covering uh, Shadows of Pajem which was weirdly out of place when I'm going through this on Amazon. Like, I pulled up the Amazon list because uh, so, it's an easier way to watch this on my phone because I, I watch episodes on my phone while I'm cooking or whatever because, like I said, I have to be efficient with my time. And I'm like, wait, that's not the next episode. And I had to double-check Memory Alpha and the physical discs along with my own rips of them in order to verify that, yes, no, it, it's just out of place. So we'll finally be covering Shadows of Pajem. It will be curious to see how this one goes forward. I will see you guys next week.